Good morning. Are you awake yet? Good morning. <laughs> if you have your Bible, if you want to go ahead and find uh, Luke chapter 1, we'll be in Luke chapter 1. And while you find that, um, how many of you are listening to Christmas music already? How many of you like Christmas music? Some, well, I, I like it. I, I, the thing for me is they start playing it way too early anymore. Sometimes it's, it used to be after Thanksgiving, now it's before Halloween, and some of these stations, it's like, whew, it's way too soon. Uh, it seems like Christmas is coming earlier and earlier every year. Um, pretty soon, stores are going to just have a dedicated section for Christmas all year round to buy your ornaments and your decorations and all of that. And I guess that's because some people do leave their lights up all year round, but I think that's kind of just being lazy. But today we're going to start a new series by focusing on the very first Christmas carols, the very first songs of Christmas, the first songs for the Savior. Um, and the tradition of singing at Christmas time is really as old as Christmas itself. And what we'll see in the weeks leading up to Christmas, uh, that the main players in the Christmas narrative, the Christmas story, respond instantly to their part. Uh, in God's plan with expressions of, of just praise and worship. And all of these four songs that we're going to look at are found in, in, in Luke chapter, in the first two chapters of Luke's gospel. Today we're going to look at Zechariah. Next week we'll hear Mary's. Uh, in two weeks we'll study Simeon's. And on Christmas Eve, we're going to look at the angel's song. And if you know me very well, the whole idea of doing a series... Um, about songs will probably make you laugh a little bit because uh, I'm not a singer. I, I love music. I, I love music. I just can't sing. Um, well, I take that back. I sing solo. I sing so low that you can't hear me, but that's just me. Uh, and before we get started, before we dig into our text this morning, I want us to pray, and, and we'll read our text in the first chapter of Luke. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this opportunity uh, to come together as your people. And I just ask that our hearts in the coming weeks, that, that we prepare ourselves to celebrate the birth of our Savior, that we prepare ourselves to celebrate the amazing thing that you did uh, by sending your Son into the world as just a baby, so that he could grow and live and ultimately die on a cross. Father, help us just have our hearts renewed to this story that we've heard so many times, and let it be new to us again. Help us take to heart just the amazing incredibleness of you coming into the world. Lord, thank you for your son, Jesus, and it's in his name I pray. Amen. So starting in verse 67 of Luke chapter 1, our text reads, And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophet from old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we 
being delivered from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Now, before, I, before we really dig into these lyrics, um, I want us to look at what brought Zechariah to this point. Now, imagine for a minute, just imagine for a minute that we lived without any message from God, that we didn't have a Bible, that we didn't hear, have any preaching, that there was only silence. Because in the time between the Old Testament and the New Testament, God's people waited 400 years to hear from him. And, and during those silent years, some of God's people, they were, they, were, they were holding on to hope. And others, they were just stuck in ritual and routine and going through the motions. And there were others who weren't even thinking or concerned about God and his promises anymore. Think of it. King Herod, he had built idols. Uh, immorality was rampant, and the spiritual life of God's people had lost its vitality. And it almost sounds like our country today, doesn't it? And this priest, this priest named Zechariah, and his wife Elizabeth, they lived during this time of darkness and silence. But they had another silence in their life because they, they had no children. And in that time, to not have a child, it was considered a curse. And their unfulfilled desires had led to this unspoken despair in their lives. And maybe today you're living with some silent pain. Maybe you're grieving the loss of a child, a grandchild, a parent, a grandparent, a friend, a sibling. Maybe you're wondering today how your kid could turn out to be so rebellious, or, or how your finances went south, went wrong so quickly, or you're wondering how your marriage wound up in such a mess. And like Zechariah, you've been waiting for something to change. You've been waiting for an answer, and you're not sure it'll ever come because heaven has been silent. But Zechariah, Zechariah was about to hear some words that he could hardly believe. Uh, Zechariah, he was a priest. He was one of about 20,000 men, and two weeks out of the year, his group was on duty, and he would travel to Jerusalem for his temple responsibilities. And the time, this time for Zechariah, he was chosen by Lot. It was completely random. He was chosen to enter into the holy place. He was chosen to burn incense outside the curtain to the Holy of Holies. It, it, this was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for him. It was a privilege to be able to serve this way in the temple. So Zechariah, he would go in and he would light the incense. He would offer prayers for the people. And while he's doing that, a crowd would be outside and they, they would be in the courtyard praying as well. They're waiting for him to come back out again. And give the priestly blessing from number six, where he would say, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you and lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. 
But while he's in there, Zechariah comes face to face with an angel. He's overwhelmed with fear. He's afraid because he's supposed to be the only one in there, and now there's somebody with him. So on the right side of the altar, which is considered the side of favor, the angel Gabriel appears to him. In his initial message to Zechariah, it has two parts. He says, do not be afraid. And then he says, your prayer has been heard. He says, you're going to have a son. Zechariah and Elizabeth are going to have a child. Gabriel tells him the kind of man that he would turn out to be. He tells him about the message that his son is going to preach. And that he would bring his people back to the Lord. He would turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. Which is something we so desperately need today. And when Gabriel, when he tells Zechariah, hey, you're going to be a dad, Zechariah immediately asks for some sort of sign. He says, how shall I know I am old? I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. He's trying to be polite, saying that his wife's old. He's saying, I'm old. My wife's no spring chicken. I don't know if I can believe you. And Gabriel says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. He's saying, I'm not just any ordinary, ordinary angel. I am God's top gun. He appeared earlier to Daniel, and he would appear later to Mary. And it's as if Gabriel is saying to Zechariah, is like he's saying, you might be an old geezer. You might be a car-carrying member of ARP. But I am Gabriel, and I stand in the presence of God. Don't you think that God can handle this? On one hand, Gabriel's question, it seems valid. He says, I'm old. I'm old. We're past our normal years to have children. But on that other hand, Zechariah should have known better. He should have, but he was too busy asking questions. He was too busy focusing on problems to really hear what God was saying to him. And then he would have nine months to really listen. So Gabriel goes on and he says, Behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in that time. See, Zechariah, he asked for a sign. And for nine months, he got to use sign language to communicate. And, and someone has wondered what the greatest miracle that happened here was. Elizabeth having a baby in her old age or a, or a preacher keeping silent for nine months. The people outside, they're wondering. He can't talk. He... he, he he can't, he can't talk or hear. He's going to be a new father, and he can't even tell anybody. And for us today, in the commotion of the Christmas season, we can't let those competing sounds and voices keep us from hearing the true music of the season. Uh, see, we just need to figure out a way to slow down a little bit, to be quiet and listen. 
Because if we don't, if we aren't willing to do that, we will miss the message of Christmas. Because God will often speak to us in the silence. What do you think that you could learn? What do you think that you could learn if you couldn't speak or hear anything for nine months? What about nine weeks? Nine days? Nine hours? <laughs> for some of us, it might be hard to be quiet for nine seconds. But after about nine months, the baby's born, Zachariah can still not speak. And eight days later, when the whole town, when they come together uh, for the circumcision ceremony, because that day, that eighth day was the baby's big day. That's when he enters into the covenant community. That's when that child would be given their name. And everybody there just assuming that this is going to be Zechariah Jr. And Elizabeth says, uh-uh, his name is John. And they get all worked up. The people around are all worked up because the son is almost always named after the father or it's named after a relative. In Zechariah, he asked for an iPad. It says tablet, but it could have been. And to everybody's astonishment, he writes down, his name is John. And I love what happens next in this. The, the song that has been developing in his heart, it just bursts out. He explodes with praise. And the first words that he says, they're not directed to his wife, which she probably got upset about. They're, he doesn't say anything to his wife. He doesn't say anything to his family. or He doesn't talk about sports or shopping. His first response is one of adoration. And the neighbors, the community, they're filled with awe. And to me, that is a perfect example of why God's discipline does not disqualify us from being used by Him. Verse 68 in our text, it says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. For he has visited us and redeemed his people because of the tender mercy of our God, in verse 78, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. What Zechariah is doing is he is blessing God because God has blessed him. And these verses, those verses capture the main theme of this Christmas song. He uses the word visit twice, and it means to visit personally. It's not like you sent a representative. It was used by Jesus in Matthew 25, 36, when he says, I was sick and you visited me. See, what it's saying is that God saw us. He saw us in our sin-sick state, and he sent his son to come and visit us. That word visit, it was used of someone being, you seeing somebody in a bad situation and then intervening personally to provide a solution. Isaiah 64, 1 captures the longing that God's people had for God to come down to our world where he says, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. And 
this is so hard for us to fully comprehend because we live on the other side of Christmas. The prophets, they had predicted his coming, but nothing had been happening. Almost a thousand years had passed since David ruled, and four centuries since Malachi's last message. And most of the people, they'd lost hope. Now, there were still some hanging on, longing for a visit from God. And as Zechariah looks down at this baby boy, his son, that he thought he'd never have, he knew, he knew that help was finally on the way. Somehow, some way, God was going to use his son to prepare the way for the one who is the way. The wait's over. See, Zechariah's song, it's all about God coming to earth. And nearly every phrase of this Christmas song, it's filled with biblical references, especially from the prophets. And someone has pointed out that there are five specific facts about Christ's coming in this Christmas chorus. And I want to go through these quickly. The first one is Christ's coming provides salvation. Christ's coming provides salvation. Zechariah, he, he mentions God's saving purpose in four ways. He talks about redemption. In verse 68, he says, For he has visited and redeemed his people. And, and to redeem, it means to release from bondage through the payment or a price. And I know some of you won't remember this because you're too young, but you used to get soft drinks and bottles, and you'd have to take those bottles back and redeem them, and they'd give you money for it. They were redeemed through the payment of a price. He talks about salvation. He says, and has raised up a horn of salvation for us. And he's not talking about a horn or a French horn, a musical instrument, but the deadly weapon of a wild animal. And it symbolized both the strength and the vitality, the victory of the animal's strength. They believed it was concentrated in the horn. And what we see is that, that, God's, that God the Father, His divine strength is concentrated in Christ, who defeated Satan, pierced death, and gutted sin. And that power saves us and protects us. And He talks about rescue in this, he, they, that we should be saved from our enemies in verse 71, and in verse 74, that we being delivered from the hands of our enemies. He's rescued us. And then there's forgiveness in verse 77, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. See, what Zechariah is telling us is that God didn't visit this planet. He didn't come to us just to check on us to see how we were doing. He knew how we were doing, and that's why he came. He saw and knew that we were in trouble, and he came to save us. See, that's what Christmas is all about. The next one is Christ's coming fulfills prophecy. Christ's coming fulfills prophecy. As a godly Jew, as some, a man of the priesthood, Zechariah can't get over the fact that God has at long last, that he has finally kept his promises. In Zechariah, he, he sings three stanzas about a praising fulfilled prophecy. He, he sings about the promise 
that's promised by the prophets. Um, in verse 70, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from old, the promise to the fathers in verse 72, to show the mercy promised to our fathers. And in verse 72 and 73, the promise to Abraham. And to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father, Abraham. See, what he's doing is making the point clear. He's saying that, that God is now doing what he, what he promised that he would do. The prophets, they had seen it coming. They knew this was going to happen. Micah spoke of it. Isaiah, Jeremiah. Even old Abraham looked forward to this day, as did Isaac, Jacob, Moses, and David. They all saw this coming. They knew that this day would finally occur. They just didn't know when it would happen. And Zechariah is telling us something so important. He's saying that God has visited the world in the person of Jesus, and nothing, nothing will ever be the same. The next one is Christ's coming gives us purpose. Christ's coming gives us purpose. In verses 74 and 75, Zechariah, he speaks of, of the total transformation Jesus is going to make on the lives of the people who will follow him. He, he's saying that salvation leads to sanctification, and that will always lead to service. He says, in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days that will be sanctified, that we might serve him without fear. See, salvation is meant to lead us to living a life of serving. He saved you so, that you so that you might fulfill the highest calling in the universe, to serve God without fear and righteousness and holiness forever. See, God gives us His grace so that we can live for His glory. And the next one, Christ's coming, will be prepared by John. Zechariah is, he, he's considering, he's finally getting to the point where he, he knows the significance of this infant, his son that he's holding in his arms. In verses 76 and 77, he sings to his son and gives three specific predictions about his future. First, that he would be a prophet of God. He says, and you child, think of this, he's holding this child that he thought he would never have, this little boy named John. And he says, you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. And then he says, you're going to prepare the way for the Lord, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. And as he looks at this newborn, this eight-day-old boy in his arms, he says, you're going to preach forgiveness. He says, you are going to give knowledge of salvation his people and the forgiveness of their sins. And if you've read through John the Baptist's story, then that's exactly what he did. His whole mission was to make the nation ready for the coming of the Messiah, of Christ. He was a prophet, he was a preparer, and he was a preacher of salvation. John began his ministry by going out to the desert and, 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 and around the Jordan River and, and preaching about repentance. And, and what he did out there is he was baptizing people, calling them to repent of their sins, and he helped prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. And when John finally saw Jesus, 
he cried out, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Think of this. There are only two verses in Zechariah's song that deal with his son. The rest of this song deals with the Savior. Because this dad, this dad recognized the subordinate position of his own son. And and that is so good of a challenge for us as parents. Zechariah was good. He was perfectly fine with John being second especially to Jesus. And it tells us that maybe as parents, we need to raise our kids to be servants, not to be entitled to a life focused only on fulfilling their own needs. Um, As parents, we need to teach and we need to model that, that our children were created to put Christ first, that all of us were created to put Him first, and redirecting the attention from them to our Savior. John, he was just all about pointing people away from himself and pointing them to Jesus uh, so that they would see the Savior and the hope that they needed. And we would do well to copy his life mission found in John 3.30, where he says, He must increase. I must decrease. See, It's amazing, especially in our society, that John was somebody who was just committed to being second and not first. He he wasn't worried about getting the attention. He wasn't worried about being popular. He wasn't worried about having the best and the latest. He was only worried about pointing people to the Savior. He prepared He prepared his people for Jesus' coming. And today, as his people, we have the privilege of becoming less, pointing people to meet him at his second coming. The next one is Christ's coming brings blessings. Christ's coming brings blessings. There's just this one just final burst, this out, just outburst of praise. And Zechariah speaks of three great benefits. He says there is going to be light to those people living in darkness. He says, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. Um, and I love the idea there because, you know, every day the sun comes up and it's a new day. And yesterday's gone that we have a fresh start every day, that we don't have to hold on to what happened in the past, that we have a new beginning every day, that this sunrise shall visit us from on high. And he says there'll be pardon to those condemned to death. And he says this sunrise, he's going to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. See, all of us, Whether you like it or not, we are sitting in the darkness of our sins, waiting for death to devour us, but there is light in Christ. And he also says there is guidance to those who've lost their way. He says he's going to guide us, he's going to guide our feet into the ways of peace. Nothing like this has ever happened before. God, He came and He visited His people, and nothing will ever be the same again. 
you know, Christmas is less than three weeks away. You hear shaming none? Christmas is less than three weeks away. What songs are you going to sing and honor the one we celebrate? Are you going to sing Deck the Halls? Are you going to sing Jingle Bell Rock? Are you going to sing I'm Dreaming of a White Christmas? See, understand this. If Christmas... If Christmas is only songs on the radio, if it's only lights and decorations on a tree, gifts, parties, food, understand that we have missed the real message of Christmas. Christmas is all about the truth. Christmas is about the truth that God has at last visited His people. All this other stuff, that's just window dressing. Understand, God visited his people in the person of Jesus Christ. And that same Jesus comes and he knocks on the door of your heart, asking to be let in. Are you going to be like Zechariah and drop everything and welcome him into your world? Or are you just too busy, too occupied? this year to be bothered with Jesus. Philip Ryken, he summarized salvation like this. He said, salvation is not a human invention, but a divine visitation. It's not something that we achieve by going to God, but something that God has done coming to us in Christ. I really want you to see that Zechariah He didn't get his voice back until he wrote out his son's name. And we'll never have salvation until we're ready to write the name of Jesus on our life. As the worship team comes, I guess the challenge is to respond like Zechariah. To understand that Christmas is not about everything that we think it is anymore. That Christmas is about a child, a Savior who was born for us. A Savior who came and lived, who was accused, who was tried, and he was murdered on a Roman cross. He was buried and on that third day raised back to life so that by declaring our faith, by writing his name on our life, that we can have forgiveness of our sins, that, that we can have that light of Christ in our life, that we can have hope. That's one of the biggest things about Christmas. It's about hope, that the light has come into the world for us to do something that none of us could do on our own. Today, do you know that light? Do you know the light of the world? Do you know Christ as your Savior? Are you praising Him this time of year, or are you so distracted by all the trappings? Christmas is such an 
incredible time for us as believers. Don't let it be about anything other than Him. So this morning, the challenge is, do you know Him? Do you know Christ as your Savior? Have you made a public profession of faith? Have you surrendered to Him in being baptized? Are you serving Him the way that He desires? Maybe you do know Him and you've kind of gotten off track. And maybe you just need to sit down and say, I want to praise you like Zechariah. That none of this other stuff matters. That this is about my Savior. And this is what He's doing for me and for the world. Zechariah wasn't afraid to declare the truth of, of, of what was coming. And he was ready to be part of God's plan. And maybe you need to be part of his plan. Maybe you need to take that minute and say, let me serve. Let me be used by you. Because if you're willing, he will put you to work. We're going to sing a song of invitation this morning. And I just really challenge you. Do you know him? Have you surrendered to him? And are you ready to praise him for what he did some 2,000 years ago when he came into this world for you? I'm going to pray, and if you need to come, I encourage you to do that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you um, for this song, this first song for the Savior. As Zechariah just exploded in praise. He had nine months to just focus on what you were doing. That he understood what you were doing. And he was just thrilled to be part of your plan. And I know today each of us, we've been called to play a part in your plan. That, he, that you want to use us. That, that you want us to be something more than we are today. Father, I just pray that we are willing and ready to be used by you. Help us be a people that are others when they see us, they know there's something different. And that's because of you. Father, help us remember you this Christmas season. Help us remember the real reason that we celebrate. And help us put you foremost in everything that we do thank you for your son Jesus thank you that you sent him into this world and I pray this in his name